You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the show where we take a wander around the week in Apple, Apple News, Reviews, Technology, Associated Products and all sorts of other things that catch our eye. This is another episode of the Essential Apple Podcast. Hello everybody, welcome to this week's edition of the podcast. Uh, and this week, Jim and Nick are both here again, so it's us three old fogies again. But uh, hello, Jim. Hello, Nick. Hello. 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 So here we are. Um, quite a lot of stories. We've got a lot of stories in the notes this week, people. Um, fair amount of stuff. Not a lot of it is um, particularly big stories, but uh, I thought we could just uh, take a look at them and see how it goes. Um, first one, of course, did, did you see in the week that uh, apparently... Some Chinese engineer has uh, upgraded an M1 Mac. He's upgraded the RAM and the SSD. Uh, so <laughs> it is proven to be possible to upgrade your M1 Mac uh, after purchase, as long as you're a very, very skilled Chinese computer technician. Yeah, and the chances are that nine out of ten times you're going to brick it. <laughs> yes, it's not. Uh, it's like not. It, it was one of those, I think. Um, you know, it'd be one of those, why have you done this? Just to prove I can. Um, yes. Kind yeah. of it's certainly not a pull this chip out and stick another oh, one Oh, no, in. no. It involves, it involves literally disassembling the, uh, you know, the package on the, yeah, on and the chip. Yeah, unsoldering bits. Unsoldering the, the, the modules from the tiny, tiny little bits and putting, you know, yeah. He took out the whatever eight gig RAM, put in sixteen, and upgraded the SSD from thing. But yes, it involves. What was interesting was that they got it to work, and the computer recognised the. Oh yeah, yeah, it recognised the configuration. The, the configuration. So, um, I mean, it's on several sites, by the way. Of the one we've got here, the one we've linked is Mac Rumors, but. Um, you can just imagine the face of the uh, Apple genius when you walked in and explained what you'd done. Yeah. <laughs> I desoldered yes. all the Get RAM chips. I desoldered all the yeah. RAM chips from my M1 package. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. I, uh, decided no, I, it, I decided putting it back where it was originally was a little bit difficult, so I put all these wires across <laughs> yeah. and connected it elsewhere. But it's really slow now. <laughs> yeah. Um, as it says here, the RAM and SSD components on the M1 Max are soldered in place, making the procedure extremely challenging and a reportedly high chance of failure. This invasive and unofficial upgrade is undoubtedly breaching your warranty. <laughs> <laughs> Without a doubt. And there are pictures. There are pictures of it here. I mean, they are literally disassembling the package on a, you know, on the chip and putting in new components. Um, I've got visions of you going up to the uh, up to the genius bar and them saying, "Have you been messing this with this yourself?" And you say, "No, not at all. It's, kind of, it's just this big lump of solder." 
So there you go. Oh, dear. It's one of those, isn't it? Because no doubt, you know, they're a bunch of technicians, so that's what they do for a living. They're like, let's yeah. see if we can actually and someone do said, it. I wonder whether I could. Yeah, you yeah. see it happening. It's something that you actually would, you would have thought Apple would have allowed, you know, a means of doing something like this, and you know, swap out the, the chip. Because, uh, okay, it's not, a, it's not a chip, it's more of a hard drive. There's uh, one of the Surface models where you can replace the... the I think it's a, is it a hard drive you can replace? Uh, quite likely, quite probably. Uh, if, you're, if you were able to just unscrew a damaged uh, chip and replace it, it would be great. But yeah, I've I've said before, Jim. I'm I'm sure it's within the abilities of Apple to make stuff mm-hmm. that can be upgraded. They just choose not to. Yeah, I I I refuse to believe at this point in time, um, particularly when you have got things like the Mac Mini, where you know when you open the case, it's mostly air. Yeah, that that they couldn't make it in such a way that it could be upgraded and still as fast. I'm sure it's, they could. It's, it's like my iPad uh, Pro just now. Um, there's just of late I've noticed a big difference in the uh, battery life in it. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, you can't you can't open it up and replace the battery. Um, no. So it looks like we're going to have to look at buying a new iPad. Well, you, you, okay, I've got my money's can, worth out of it. Apple yeah, will put I'll a put... new battery in it for you, Jim. Would it? Yeah. Mm. Apple will open it up and put a new battery in it for you. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yes, I think they will. Yeah. 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 We'll maybe investigate that, but uh, it's a good but excuse to get co- a new iPad. It might, not co- it might not cost much less than I'm actually buying the oh, iPad yeah, itself. But it, it can be done. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, pretty sure can. Apple offer it. I mean, actually, after the whole battery gate thing, Apple kind of reduced the cost of battery replacement on a lot of their stuff. Mm-hmm. They did, yeah. Um, so it would be worth. In fact, yeah, it's not. It's not. Um, you know, it's not so sealed up as it can't be done. Talk, talking of which, and I haven't got a link to this, but I. I meant to mention it the other week, and a couple of other podcasts I listened to have mentioned it. I think Carl mentioned it. There is a, well, I'll put a link in later. There is a site, I believe it's called uh, PodSwap. You boys heard about that? No, I don't think so. Okay, there, um, I'll have to find a proper link, but it's either the PodSwap or Pod... Um, what they're doing is refurbishing, um, I, you know, AirPods. AirPods, yes, I, yeah, I've found it. Um, no, that's Instagram. Just, just because if you lo- one of your, if you lose one or one goes faulty, you, you can swap out one. Here we go. AirPods mm. with brand new battery life in exchange for your old pair. Okay, mm. um, it's thepodswap.com. Um, right, determine the generation of your AirPod buds. You can do this here. Hold on to the charging case. We only swap out the buds. Before you send us your old pair, we'll send you a pair of genuine AirPod buds with restored battery life, which have been cleaned and sanitized. Now, drop your old AirPods in the mail no later than five business days after the delivery date to avoid a fee. Um, a prepaid shipping label is included in your box. And then basically, oh, very good. they take them. That's quite a good idea. Apparently, have figured out how you can take the things apart and they can replace the battery um, so that they can be um, reused. The first ever battery yeah. replacement program. There we are. Something that Apple should be doing. Yeah, yeah. Should, they should really. Mm. Over 100 million AirPods have been sold today. AirPods die over time and are extreme, extremely difficult to recycle. Don't throw them away. PodSwap is the only service which repairs AirPods. Very good. Um, there you I go. Don't know what so, so, cost is. Um, no, because it's not. It's not live by the looks of it. Because it says join the wait list. So. Uh, no, the, I think the the wait list is because you have to. Right, it's sixty dollars. I think it's uh, live. Right. It, join the 
join the wait list. Yeah, <laughs> sold out. Oh, I see. <laughs> the minute <laughs> right. they've not got any, they've not got enough people. It would appear that people are taking it up in great, you know, with great glee. Um, and let's face it, so, so it's sixty dollars for you know keeping your original AirPods and having new batteries in them is a, is a bloody good deal. I would have thought. Yeah, it's a little bit like uh, it's a little bit like recycling batteries, isn't it? And when when the first electric cars came out, 2013, 2012, 2013 time. Um, actually, there were some a bit before that, but those were the first mainstream ones. Um, there was a lot of talk about, oh, we'll have all these batteries in landfill and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But the fact is, I mean, there are a number of, com- there are only one or two companies in the UK that actually upgrade batteries now. Um, and uh, they have difficulty getting batteries because <laughs> because they're actually lasting a lot longer than they expected them to. Yeah. So, uh, you know, just getting the batteries in the first place is, uh, can be a problem. And they're obviously having the same issue. If the if the AirPods don't go wrong very often, <laughs> then they haven't got any to swap out. No. So to go back to the M1 uh, upgrades, Chappie, uh, yep. as you both have M1 uh, computers, uh, which are you going to do um, a demonstration of his services for the benefit of the essential Apple <laughs> users? <laughs> no, uh, no. interests. You know, we just be interested to see how you how you go about it. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. I'm quite happy with mine. I I paid enough money to get one that was spec'd out as uh, you know. As oh, but Nick's got two. He's well. Have you? You've got two Mac Minis, haven't you? Oh no, no, no! I got. I sold the other one. <laughs> no, I've only got one M1. Yeah. Well, I've only got one uh, Mac yeah. Mini. Um, so, uh, no, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not doing that either. <laughs> Thank Thanks you. very much. Thanks for that. But we're quite. I'm quite happy with my machine as it is. Yes. Thank you. There's, um... Wouldn't I have to? Wouldn't I have to? Where was it? Was it in China? That yes. I've done this. Or, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd have to fly to China to film it as well. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming, yes, I mean, it, it did say that there were a bunch of technicians, so I guess they're the sort of people I'm sure that, uh, that's what they do, you know. Yeah, I'm sure our Patreons could cover the cost. That's not a problem, is it, Simon? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'll have a check. I'll have a check and see if we've got £4.50 in the account. Right, yeah, then. that's right. Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> there we are. Oh, dear. So, yeah, so, yeah, as I say, that was the pod swap. I meant to mention that before because it's been mentioned on several things. It's excellent. Excellent. Let's just. Yeah, hope, I, must I, hope admit, I must have been I asleep when they. <laughs> Well, I must have been asleep when they announced that one because I missed that. Uh, I think Carl mentioned it, and I think um... yeah, I would have heard. I would have probably heard it, but you know, yeah, it didn't register. Yeah, there we go. Um, but I know that sounds like the sort of service we could all do because that was the one big thing about AirPods is you know they're yeah, because they're, they're only cheap. very little batteries, aren't they? They're not yeah. cheap, you know. And that at, at first it seemed that they were almost you know unrepairable. But apparently these people have figured out how to do it, which is very good, and probably will make a nice little business for them. Indeed, I can just imagine. I can just see uh, the Antiques Roadshow in forty years, fifty years time, when somebody comes along with a vintage pair of uh, earbuds. Uh, what's it called? What they call them again? Airpods. 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 And when they're asked, are these are these original? Oh, they're not, well, they're original. Well, yeah, we've only had each one changed over the last ten years. Yeah. Mm. I mean, they've got a lot of um, got a lot of uh, five star, you know, testimonials. Mm. So, I think it's a good idea that. Yeah. Yep. Rather than being thrown in the bin. Yep, definitely. You know, that's that's what mm. we want. That's great. I mean, 
let's face it, unless the AirPod itself actually, you know, if the, if the drivers or the actual speaker was to go, then sure, it's, mm. it's dead probably, but yeah. what you've got... The battery's changeable, yeah. You know, the battery, if they can change the battery, which will restore it, you know, full full working life, then excellent. There we are. Yeah. Um, apparently the NHS coronavirus app update has been blocked because uh it breaks the privacy rules according to sky news um tut, tut, tut. they wanted um get what they said they wanted some some kind of some kind of register of where you've been, been basically yes i think I that's think what it is the um so if you if they find you've got coronavirus and they can say ah oh, you've been here 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 and here but of course that breaks the tracking rules so yes um the NHS app was meant to include a new feature which allowed users, once they had tested positive, to upload the list of venues they had checked into using a QR code. But this location tracking has been explicitly prohibited on privacy by Apple and Google, who collaborated to design the exposure. Um, I'm glad Apple and Google are on the ball with that. Yeah. yeah. Public health authorities around the world signed up to the notification and have agreed not to use it to collect location data. Um, and this is what Apple and Google um, considered would have happened under the update. Yeah, of course, it isn't It isn't the NHS technically, is it? No, the... it's not. It's actually run by the Department of Health and Social Care. Yeah, that's the one. Um, A backdoor into where you've been. The spokesperson for the Department of Health and Social Care said the deployment of the enhanced check-in functionality uh, and enabling people to upload their venue history has been delayed. Um, this does I mean, not impact the functionality I'm sure of, the, of the map. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure their intentions are perfectly sound. It's just that the more data we give out about ourselves, the dangers are people get hold of it who aren't exactly. moral and um, good. Outstanding. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I'm sure in, in that case, maybe... Um, you know, maybe Apple and Google and, you know, the people who want to do use it to track and trace can come to an agreement. Maybe, you know, people can opt in. Yes, I'll do that if, you know. I'm not sure that many people actually bother to use this. I don't see many people scanning the QR codes, personally. I don't no, know. I don't think they do. I mean, in all honesty, I think the only <laughs> the only place I've got on mine is, the church, is my church, whenever I get into the church. Yeah. Uh, even if I'm there on my own, I still scan it. But, um... <laughs> I think because of the way it's designed to work by Apple and Google. Yeah. As far as I can. All you need to know is have I been near somebody else? Yeah. Have I been near somebody who's been reported? So to some extent, all this scanning of where you go is spurious, as far as I can tell. It is. It is. Um, Yeah. It does what it was designed to do. Yeah. So anyway, be that as it may. I mean, I scan when I go places, but most people just don't. I don't see people scanning the QR code as they go into the supermarket. They'll just blase bolt up. Half of them don't even bother to sanitise their hands on the way in. You know, they just carry on. I don't think I've even seen a QR code in the shops, to be honest with you. Like around here, they all have one on the door. I mean, maybe they don't do it in Scotland. Maybe they don't do it in Scotland. Maybe it's it's an English Our app's different, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. As far as I can see, the the QR codes are semi-spurious because the way the app works is to, Mm. you know, you've been near another phone of of somebody who's reported themselves unwell. Anyway, there you go. So that's that. Um, Apple quote-unquote locks in users by keeping iMessage for iOS only. Epic court filings show. Uh, Wow, really? Um, 
I, it, this aren't, story, uh, this story is all over. Apple, the, you know. Aren't Apple allowed to actually make anything of their own? I mean, and I just can't get my head around this at all. Well, this just it, seems, it seems that because Apple is so big that basically all their property is everybody else's well, to tell them what to do and how that, what they can do with it and what they can't do with it's it. It's like, that's because it's epic. I mean, as far as I can see, yeah. if, you, if you follow this story, the one I've got here is Pocket Lint, but it, it's cropped up in various versions. Some It's all come out because of this epic thing, and epic is saying, oh, well, Apple uses its, you know, its monopoly, quote, unquote, to lock people in with, you know, by using iMessage. Um but yes, that, that's but a, even if they do, what's the problem with that? <laughs> a, it's basically farcical, isn't it? Locked in, nobody's locked in by their messenger. That's a farce. That's a... Well, if you think yeah. about it, if you if you think about it, if I send a message to a friend who doesn't doesn't have an Apple iPhone, it gets the message. Yeah, so what's yeah. the problem? Just gets yeah. there by SMS, and, and yeah. you know it's not secured and it's not free and blah blah blah. But that's a whole different matter, and. Um, yeah. Apple have basically said, um, Apple, if you follow this story around the web, have, have basically said, oh, we could have made iMessage for Android years ago, but we decided that there would be no advantage to doing so because we'd be shooting ourselves in the foot because we'd be giving one of our best, one of our best, um, you know, iOS features to everybody. Be, I, it, it, I, I just find the whole thing bizarre. I mean, who actually decides to form a company that makes goods that then gives away everything to everybody else. I mean, it, it, <laughs> I just can't get my head around it at all. And well, why, I've, I've, why, I've, let's put it why this the way. American courts are even considering it. I mean, put it this way, Nick. You know, Ferrari locks in users by keeping Ferrari engines to its own cars. Well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or, 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 or keeps the Ferrari badge to themselves. Why can't everyone have a Ferrari badge? Exactly. <laughs> maybe, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm, am I not? Did Apple not actually plan to have iMessage available years and years ago? But because of some lawsuit, I, I they had, don't know. They had I, to change it. I, I don't. No, I don't I, remember. I don't really recall. Um, but there's been rumours about iOS, you know, iMessage for Android for mm. years. But Apple, in as a result of this, you know, court shenanigans, have basically said, "Yeah, mm. we could make we could make iMessage for Android." But why would we? Why would yeah. we basically <laughs> spite mm-hmm. ourselves by saying, "Oh, well, one of our best features, you know, one of the things that Apple." iPhone users love the most. We'll just hand that to the competition, so they can say we've got that as well. No, we're not going to. Sorry. So there you go. Well, that's all. But the whole epic court filing thing is bizarre. What, at the I mean, th- this is indicative of the fact that um, Android phones, which let's face it, are made by lots and lots of different manufacturers, uh, and iOS and Apple, you know, Apple stuff are seen as sort of like the two platforms. And um, they are two platforms, but what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that one of them is huge. One of them makes millions and millions and billions of phones. And the other one makes a lot less, but makes all the money. And and for some reason, therefore, one manufacturer's phone gets compared against everything else when yeah. it comes to, yeah, when it comes to um, legal things, it's almost as if, iOS is a big competing monolith, and it's all—it's simply because they make so much money. I mean, I think that's probably what it's down to. Well, they're all—you um, know—the others are just jealous. It's as simple as that. They're shifting phones. <laughs> 
they're jealous. They're yeah. shifting phones, but most of them are not making much money. Um, talking of which, if, if you, yeah, go on. Sorry, Jim. I was just going to say, if, if you want, if you want iMessage, what well, you do is the simple thing: buy an Apple phone. Yeah, and if you don't, you've got a choice. You know, there are lots of other, yeah. you know, if you want a, and if you want a secure free messaging platform on on you know then you can use mm. any as we all know any number of messaging apps are available yes depending on yes, how it's not like it's the only one no um in the it seems a weird thing to to, to pick on yeah well in i mean in the week uh proton mail um i should probably find the link for that posted a link on twitter to their comparison of several different messaging systems they're oh. saying you know if you wish to leave um you know WhatsApp. thinking of you know thinking of leaving whatsapp um here here is a comparison of several different ones i mean we you know there's been such things before but um yes. in the end it's all going to be down to are the people you want to speak to available on those <laughs> on that yeah. system because yeah. it's no point going across to one that no one else uses <laughs> no exactly but um well, I had that problem with uh, uh, Slack. I, I tried to get my Ruby Society to adopt it for internal communications um, because, you know, like quite a lot of people, uh, I won't use Facebook. Um, yeah. But unfortunately, the Ruby seems to use Facebook like most most other <laughs> societies and companies and whatever they do. Uh, so that failed trying to get them to go to Slack. So it's really whatever the, the majority uses. You know, yes, of course. It takes yeah. the, you know, the way you go. So, yeah. so there we go. There's a link. Anyway, yes, it's a, there's the link. Proton Mail blog, uh, best WhatsApp alternative to respect your privacy. And they've got a, mm, basically good. a comparison and they've got Signal, Telegram, Threema, Wikimi, Wire, Element and Keybase. Not all of which I've heard of. No, I've not heard of all of them. But um, the, other, the other good thing about Proton now is they're adding in things like Calendar and it's a drive. Yeah, I've got, I've got the, there's a, a Proton, I've got a Proton drive yeah. um, beta becoming, at the moment. Yeah, you get, you get more options with Proton now. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, I think, I think they're still, I think they're still in beta. They're not. Um, yeah, the, ca- yeah, the calendar, the, the Proton Mail Drive. <laughs> Proton Drive, as they're calling it, has only recently gone into beta. Um, mm-hmm. And I have to admit, at the minute, it's it's um, got very limited functionality. Um, but that's you know that's what betas are for. I I would I would like it to be you know more like um, OneDrive or Dropbox or something. Um, at the minute, it only seems to support iOS. But you know, time will tell. Um, and yes, there's a calendar. I don't use calendaring very much, so I never bothered to sign up to the uh, Proton Mail calendar beta. Um, so that yes, they've got a comparison of all these these uh, seven seven apps or whatever it is, um, and a good kind of um, a list of pros and cons for each one. Um, if you're interested, which you know, I retweeted it. I got a thank you from uh, Proton for that. Um, yeah, that's very good. And that, and and you know, feel free to join Proton. To which I replied, "Yeah, I have already a paying member of Proton. Thank you very much." <laughs> but um, there we are. That's uh, yeah, there we are. Uh, right, let's move on. Um, two thirds of iPhone users expected to block ad tracking, according to Mac rumors. Um, I'm not really surprised by that. Um, yeah, 
uh, I mean, if if you ask people whether they want to be tracked or not, yeah, <laughs> is it okay if I is, is it okay if I follow you down the road? Yeah, <laughs> no, precisely. No, don't go away. Go on, be off with you before I summon a policeman, as they used to say. Yeah, that's now. right. Yes. Hey, I'm the policeman. Or I, or I set my vicious, I set my vicious uh, <laughs> alsatian onto you. Yeah. Um, okay, so with the launch of fourteen point five, apps will have to receive explicit user permission before accessing a phone's advertising identifier. Um, right. Nobody really knows for sure what will happen when Apple tracking prompts uh, prompts become widespread. Um, blah blah blah. Basically, oh, we're gonna be so hurt because we can't track people. Uh, my thing is that look, look, you managed to advertise perfectly effectively to people before you invented tracking everybody. So don't give me that. Yeah, I mean it's it's annoying, isn't it? Really, because the, originally they would ask you, um, is it okay if we sort of watch what you do while you're on our website, and we'll make sure we target any advertising, you know, so that it makes it better for you, mm. which is fine. But to then go on to sort of naturally think that that's blanket um, permission yeah, to then to go out and track you on the rest of the internet. They'll follow you bit, everywhere. A bit naughty, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, you're on the beta, aren't you, uh, Simon? On the what? You're on the beta. Yes. 14.5. Yes, yeah. I've got, so yeah. Are you actually using that feature? I've got it turned on, yeah. Oh, and what's the experience like uh, so far? Well, I have not seen anything. So, I mean, I, the first thing I did, because you've got two options, right? You've got mm. two options. You could, there's a there's a global switch in settings which simply says don't tell um, me <laughs> don't, I, I, you know tell, I don't want to be asked about being tracked because I don't wish to be tracked at all which basically mm. just says right no and any any attempt to track you is just like denied automatically or you can have it set to you know apps will individually track you so you'll get when you first launch an app it will say you know do you want to allow I don't know, weather bug to mm. track your activity across the web in order to, you know, help improve its performance. No, you're a weather app. No, you can't. So, and you can do it individually like that, mm-hmm. or you can flick the go- global switch. I suspect what, um, you know, what these ad companies are worried about is the fact that people are just going to go, go to the global switch, turn it to do not track me and forget about it. And that's so going to be the end of so that. You, so you're on the global then? Yeah, I just flipped the global switch. Now, whether that's actually having any effect right this moment, uh-huh. I don't know, because I guess it does. I guess it means anybody who tries to... Mm-hmm. But, but do you get not... any feedback from it saying it's blocked this, that, the next thing, or anything like that? No, no, because no, it basically... No, it's basically what you've got is, um, you know, the option to ask mm. me if I wish to be tracked on an app-by-app basis or don't ask me because I don't want to be tracked. And Just, if yeah. you're using Safari, are you still getting bugged with the allure deny or is that stopped as well? Uh, no, it doesn't. There's nothing you can do about those, the, the, the bloody cookie right. okay. things. Because and... they're part of the website, aren't they? Yeah. Aye. I mean, I've got a thing. I've installed that thing called Hush that you, I think you pointed out, uh, Jim. Me? The, the, oh, the, there was an extension. There's an extension called Hush, which I mentioned right. a couple of weeks ago, and it came up in the Slack. I don't know. Maybe it was maybe it was Dougie. I don't know. And that's supposed to reduce the number of things that you get, you know, that pop up on websites saying, "Do you want a Do you want a newsletter? Oh, is that, do you want is that a, for Safari? Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. I think you've probably again. told told me about it before, but I didn't. It know was. It was new. It, it's, it's, it's in the App Store, right? It's called Hush, and it's in the App Stores. Ah, oh, right. Okay. I think I tried it and I found it to be a wee bit 
uh, frustrating at the beginning. I'll give it, maybe uh, give it another try. No, I've not done it. I just installed it, and then it didn't uh, appear to do hush nag blocker <laughs> at all. Yeah, it was it was more to do with the likes of speed of the Safari. I found it slowed it down. Mm. Maybe maybe it was just uh, right. Block cookie person. and it blocks cookies and tracking nags. Um, yeah, I've got it. I've got it back on the the iPhone, so we'll see how it goes. I, I didn't. I've got it on my Mac and on my um and my yeah. iPhone. Um, but I've got so a lot of other. Is, blockers. is that one of those? Yeah. Is that one of those where bits of the website don't work though as a consequence? No, on the whole, not. I've, no, uh, no, no right. okay. I just found it slowed Safari down. There okay. were times when Safari was taking forever to load up. I found it could be just because it was a new, new mm. version of it. Well, I mean, according to look, I mean, their their blurb: browse the web like it should be, free of nags to accept cookies or privacy invasive tracking. Tiny, free, fast, open, secure, and without access to your data. Quote: I'd recommend hush to anyone who uses Safari. John Gruber, daring fireball. So yeah, I'll give it another try. It's it, you know I've put it in. I've not specifically noticed a fantastic amount of reduction in the number of things I get. But then I'm, I already run AdBlock Pro and Ghostery and um, mm-hmm. and on my iPhone uh, Crystal Content Blocker and now Hush. So you know um, yeah, I'm downloading only, it now. Only so many <laughs> things that you know you can manage to block that they don't get around it can't do any harm you know well the worst you mm. could do is slow you down i suppose but yeah i'll give it another try give it a go see what you think um so yeah uh and you know 14.5 is nigh and the ad apocalypse is coming and all the tracking ad agencies are weeping and gnashing their teeth and saying it's all disgraceful and despicable and how dare they, you know, not be allowed to track you everywhere for their own purposes. And they're going to get a nasty shock, I think. That's as simple as that. Um, right, we've got another um, another logo dispute. Apple says water bottle logo nearly identical to its own and objects to trademark. Um, yeah, it definitely this, was too, too much like the Apple logo. I have to say this one, I'm not mm. surprised that the Apple lawyers want a word. Um, mm. Yeah, it is quite similar. They've got, in effect, take the Apple logo, fill in the missing bite, add a second small leaf, um, and then stick some junk on it and say that that's fine. Uh, no, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Um, in this country, I know trademark um, things are slightly different in that if you um, are obviously in a completely different non-competing business, the, the rules are slightly looser. But, I mean, looking at this one, as an Apple brand lawyer, I'd be going, no, no way. And, I mean, there's a, there's a thing in the article where they've got the Arcus logo, the Apple logo, and then they lay the, lay the two over the top. And it, it, it is basically the Apple logo. Mm-hmm. With an extra leaf and the, and the bite filled in, so uh, <laughs> sorry, people. Whoever whoever did that and thought they could get away with it, I think is um, deluding themselves. I mean, I know I know we all thought the prepare one was a little bit um, ludicrous, but as yeah. we said, you know, I think that's one of those things where the lawyers said we probably have to have a go at this rather than just leaving it because they settled that one really quickly didn't they you know it was they just went look make a little change make the leaf a different shape and that'll do you know (laughs) but then they've seen they've been seen to challenge it and to quote unquote settle and if you don't do those things then people can hold that up as a precedent that you didn't yeah yeah you know 
so there we are and it's not much of a story but i think if, if you if you're interested no i think apple are perfectly within their rights to be objecting to that one um i sometimes think that when companies choose their logos they uh, i remember i remember uh, seven trent once having a a competition to come up with a logo for a particular project and what they actually came up with was the word the name of the project with sort of some clever some some pretty colors on it mm. <laughs> and that's the one that won i thought well, it wasn't exactly very inventive was it <laughs> it's the same with this one they obviously thought well maybe we could have one that looks like the apple logo yeah that's easy enough let's do that <laughs> let's do that yes right um uh, according to Mac rumors, uh, there are rumors that MagSafe will be returning to the MacBook Air. Um, I never mean, really understood why they did away with that. No, I don't either. Uh, I have. To well, agree. I mean, I understand they wanted to go to. A, yeah, it, it, sorry, I do understand yes. their reasoning. I just didn't think it was very good reasoning. No, I didn't think um, it was the best. I didn't think it yeah. was the best. It was. It was about. It was about getting power and data down the same line, wasn't it? That's the yeah. reason they did away with it. Yes, but. Um, there we it's go. Never a good idea to get rid of it. <laughs> I don't think so. Bloomberg's Mark Gurman claims that the next generation MacBook Air will feature the return of MagSafe charging. Um, right, the MacBook Air is not the only Mac r- rumored to be restoring. Well, no. Why would you just put it on one? If you're going to put it on, you're going to put it on everything, surely. Yeah. Um, Ming Chi Kuo said in a recent report, um, the MagSafe charging connector design is restored on the upcoming MacBook Pro. Um, corroborated, quote unquote, by German, um, who says the restored MagSafe will include a similar design to the previous incarnation of MagSafe on MacBook. This may deliver a number of practical benefits, such as faster charging speeds. Um, but does that mean um, it won't do data? No, it would be a, it would probably be, probably back to what it was before. Power. A dedicated power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, who's to say? I mean, that's rumoured. We've got German and you've got Minchi yeah. Quo saying so, and we've heard rumours flying around for a little while that MagSafe might be coming back. I think that that might be a case of you know Apple are hearing users saying you know it's all lovely, but damn, I miss I miss MagSafe. I was just going to say that the other hope is that uh, if that happens then maybe we might see more ports coming back because you know, with Johnny being away Apple seems to be reversing the thinning down and thinning down Policy. Yes. Uh, so maybe we'll finally get back to something that's a bit more usable. Um, you know, I mean, the, functional I mean, the fact is, form. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Yes, I agree. Yeah, let's hope so. Mm-hmm. I, I think the. Um, I mean, the, fir- the I think the first time that you knock a MagSafe connector and it comes out, mm. you think that's so small and it's so, but it's so brilliant. <laughs> Who thought yeah, of that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at one just now, and I've just pulled it off and I've just put it back on. And it's, there's no effort involved in it. It also yeah. means that if it gets knocked, it comes off without taking the computer with it. It's a brilliant design. Whoever thought yeah. of doing it, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, it, absolutely it, it, brilliant. It's brilliant. And I was sad when they took it away. And um, well, as you know, I've got a, I've got a fake. Um, I've got a fake mag- MagSafe for my be adapter. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which I can't use Correct. all the time. I can't use it if I'm using something else. So I can't use it with the mic plugged in, but the rest right. of the time I um I use it for the for exactly yeah. that reason. I'm just I've got a rather expensive laptop. I'd rather not have it go flying out of my hands because my dog or my kid has come barreling past and tripped over the damn wire. Bring back the sleeping icon. Mm-hmm. The wee light it glows. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. yeah. You remember that with the, the laptops? You used to get the wee glowing yeah, you know, diode. And, it, and it, uh, it used to pulse. Yeah. Pulse as it slept. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually apparently timed to the rhythm of a sleeping child. Yeah. It was handy because you knew you had left your computer on. I've, I've done that a few times. Yeah. I forgot to switch this one off. Uh, opened up to find the uh, completely flat battery. Mm-hmm. Yep, mm-hmm. that's true. Okay, we've got more stuff here about um about the uh, you know ads and tracking. Apple details ways advertisers can measure the impact of their ads without tracking users, which is basically um Apple have introduced um they have introduced two um two things. They have introduced um. A day in the life of life your, of your data, data document. document. Yes, with details on privacy-preserving ad measurement technologies that advertisers can use to measure the impact of their campaigns without actually tracking users. Uh, these are called SKAD Network and Private Click Measurement. Um, a day in the life of your data has been updated with new information that details how advertisers bid in an auction to show their ad on a user's device and how advertisers use ad attribution to optimise their campaigns. There we go. Peter, people who already track people said, but we don't want to do it that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there you go. Apple have provided um, advertisers with um, two technologies they can use, which help them measure their, you know, the effectiveness of yeah, their ads their without, engagement. without actually, um, you know, actually tracking people. Um, elephant in the room from Digiday. Companies persist with fingerprinting as a workaround to Apple's new privacy rules. Uh, well, we've talked about fingerprinting before. Um, Apple have explicitly said, by the way, that, uh, you know, if they catch people doing this, they will be kicked from the store. So, um, fair enough. Um, yes. So, uh, I think fingerprinting is even, even more sneaky. Yes. (laughs) Um, that's saying we'll track you because we can sort of work out who you are by yes. the bits of equipment you're using and that kind of thing, which is yep. sneaky. The, according to this, it says the elephant in the room is server to server fingerprinting, uh, said an ad tech executive who runs a mobile advertising business and spoke to DigiDay on condition of anonymity. People will say you can't, but there are ways to not be found out. Uh, the type of fingerprinting is predicated on the ability to combine different attributes like what operating system or IP address you use uh, to identify someone. It's a much maligned practice in privacy conscious times because the subject of the fingerprinting doesn't know it exists. Uh, we go. However, um, right, well, we won't go into great depth, but effectively it, it's a way where you the valid SDK tools um, gather data which the app actually needs, but by passing it off to another server and correlating it with various other things, you know, you're fingerprinting people so that you can continue to track them. Which is, uh, but, you know, Apple have said if they catch people doing it, they'll be kicked out. So you have been warned, I suppose. Um, and uh, John Gruber over at the Daring Fireball um, is uh, says, et to Procter & Gamble. Um, because apparently Procter & Gamble worked with China's trade group on tech to sidestep Apple's privacy rules using um, a technique called CAID, C-A-I-D. Um, and I believe that um, Apple has already kicked out some uh, Chinese apps for using it and told them they can't. Um, 
It's the same with your email. Um, the minute you open an email up, you're tracked. And not the um, time, yeah. Yeah, they know they know you've opened it up. You know you've what you've looked at, and it's getting very worrying. What's what what they can do? Yeah, it's quite amazing, really, because that's yet another aspect, isn't it? Of um, it's not just tracking, is it? It's it, it's basically it's basically watching everything that you do yeah, from everywhere. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah, did... and and it's and it and it's. I mean, one might be state actors, and the, the on the other side, you've got the advertisers, mm-hmm. and and they're both being as. Um, don't get me wrong. I, I in a in a small way, I sort of admire their ingenuity and the the way that they're managing to find their ways around the rules that Apple make. And uh, yeah, uh, if only they put so much effort into making you know really good apps. And... Mm. It's, it's the same <laughs> with people do hack, hacking and that um, stealing your data. The amount of effort they put in to do that to get around all their security systems. Yes, to use all that effort into doing good rather something than positive. Bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it, strange, I mean, isn't it? My my worry just now is I've, I've decided to, we've got an election next month up here uh, for the Scottish Parliament, and I, because of COVID, I've finally decided to go uh, postal voting and uh, decided to do it. You know, from for now on for all elections. Uh, but after actually, you know, signing on the dotted line to to start doing this, you start to see stories about. Uh, is your postal vote secure? I'm thinking, yeah, we really are getting to a stage where you don't know what is good and what's bad now. Postal voting is uh, very secure, Dim. Take it from yeah. me. I've, when I was working, um, you know, for my former company and we did um, local elections, I can assure you that we did the postal voting packs and that is incredibly secure. Um, mm-hmm. So, in fact, there's probably no better way to vote, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. Unless you're in America, of course, and then it's all it's all wrong. Well, that, <laughs> that, 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 yeah, that, yeah. that Mr. Trump told me. You, you've started. <laughs> you've started it up now, saying that. <laughs> <laughs> that bit, well, that that Mr. Trump. He told me. He told uh-huh. me you can't uh-huh. trust those postal votes. Mm. <laughs> uh, talking about the thing about. Um, Mail, your mail tracking you. Um, was it? I'm pretty sure Dougie put something in about um about about a um about a new thing that for Apple Mail that blocks those. Anybody remember it? No, no, doesn't ring a bell. I mean, I can't remember it yesterday. A little. Here we are. Here we are. Yes, I've got it. I've got it. Right. It's um okay. Mail tracker blocker for mail on Mac OS. Email tracker, read receipt, and spy pixel blocker plug-in for Mac OS Apple Mail. And that was indeed from Dougie. I'm going to put that in the worth of chirps for this week. That was, that uh, was what again? What was uh, name put, it's called Mail Tracker Blocker for Mail on Mac OS. Um, and the only reason I forgot to put it in the show notes on the worth of chirps, uh, so I'm glad you brought that up, is because I don't use Apple Mail, so it's not any uh. use to me, unfortunately. It's only for uh, only for Apple Mail because um, I use Thunderbird and have done for many many years. Because um, I've never oh, got on with Apple. The past. I've never got on with Apple Mail. I never have. Every time I've you know three or four times when I've I've got a new Mac and I thought I'll give it a go. I'll, I'll try it. I just cannot get on with it. I really it's do. It's strange, not. isn't it? Because I've, um, yeah, I've tried lots of different mail apps, but I nearly always end up going back to Apple Mail. There you go. I did yeah. I, something Each about the way it, something about the way it works that just doesn't gel with me. Doesn't gel. Yeah. No. Uh, I could. I mean, it could be that I've been. I using know some people hate email it with for the passion. Such a, I mean, you know. I, <laughs> 
don't oh, hate it. I spark. just don't. Yeah, I just don't like it very much. It just. It yeah, just but, uh, but if you speak to yeah, if you talk to other people in other other podcasts, so, I mean, there are some people who really really hate it. Oh yeah, there's some people <laughs> who like loathe it with a passion. It's not that bad. I mean, you know. Yeah. It might be that my problem with it may well be that I'm entrenched in using email with, um, you know, clients like um, Eudora or was it Eudora or whatever. Was it Eudora? Yeah. Um, You know, using traditional mail clients for many years before Apple Mail came along. And it might just be that Thunderbird, you know, adopts the fairly traditional um, way of email working, and that suits me, you know, if it's burned yeah. into my, yeah, into I, my I, brain. I mean, I think that there are advantages and disadvantages, aren't there? Uh, and, and some people fight, like the workflows of some mail clients. There was yeah. one I tried a little while ago that I actually, and I can't remember, which, I'm afraid, which one it was, um, that grouped your emails. So it was really easy to, and I'm not just talking about a thread, it would group emails um that were on a mailing list, for instance, or a, right, uh, uh, and it would group them, and you could delete them all. Right. So literally, you could say, "Oh, uh, these these emails I've been getting every day for the last ten years, and I haven't really read any of them." <laughs> right. Yeah, delete all of those, and it would just get rid of them. Oh, I rather like that, but no, uh, that I can't good. remember which one it was. No. No. Well, there's so many, isn't there? There's Spark, Postbox, that mail tracker blocker you were talking about. It's a GitHub link. Oh, right. Okay. There we go. Mail oh, tracker found, blocker. I found it. Mail tracker blocker. Yeah. yeah it's, oh, you're right. It is a GitHub link. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Um, Very good. You know, if you use Apple Mail, I suggest you get it. It's as simple as that. Um, Right. I'll tell you what. Shall we take, after that little side event, shall we um take five minutes to get a cup of tea while we go over to talk to John in the hardware store, and then we'll uh, come back and carry on. Sure. Okay. okay. Take it away then, John. John Nemo is back with another episode of Nemo's Hardware Store here on the Essential Apple Podcast. What am I holding in my hand? I wish this was a video podcast. It's called the Hubble, H-U-B-B-L-E, H-U-B-B-L-E, Hubble for iPad, 7-in-1 USB hub plus case. The company is fledging.net. F-L-E-D-G-I-N-G. Go to fledging.net and read about the Hubble for iPad 7-in-1 USB hub and case. Cost is $115 in the United States. From more than a foot away, it looks like an Apple smart case for an iPad that has a baby bump off to the side. But upon closer inspection, you will see that once your iPad is inserted into the Hubble, and you notice the hole on the back for your camera for my 12.9-inch iPad Pro. The baby bump on the side is a one-inch extension that has, from left to right, an audio port, an HDMI port, two different camera card slots, a regular USB port, and two USB-C ports, one for power and one for data, then an on-off switch. The Hubble iPad case will be able to extend data and audio and power into and out of your pad onto any modern piece of external hardware. This is a life changer and a game changer for everybody who wished 
and knew that the iPad is too limited with that USB-C port on the side. The USB-C port fits into a USB-C on the inside of the Hubble. And then from there, you turn on the Hubble and all of the power and data and audio is available, plus the charging at the same time. Printed user guide in English is included. And I have some questions about the user guide that I have out to the company. So you'll get some answers from that in a future episode of Nemo's Hardware Store. But the short version is, it works. And the slightly longer version is, it's worth every penny. So for $115, you can take your precious iPad, cover it up with good protection, and then connect it to HDMI, audio, USB-C, whatever you want, cameras, whatever you want. It's all there, plus a regular old USB port. Exciting. Brand new company, brand new product. Look at their website at fledging.net. It talks about the styling, the other items you can purchase from their company. But most important, read about which iPads it's compatible with in the iPad Pro 11 and 12.9 line and the brand new 2020 fourth gen iPad Air. It's very, very specific about which iPads are compatible and which are not compatible. So thank you for Fledging.net for providing this for our review, and I will be giving it a lot of use, and I'll have more to report on the Hubble for iPad 7-in-1 USB-C hub and case. Back next week. Thank you, John. And the links for John's hardware store products are, as ever, in the show notes. Right. Uh, well, we'll move on then, shall we? Um, apparently, according to uh, WCCF Tech, a fully functioning iPhone 11 Pro Max was recovered from a lake after one year. Uh, jolly good. Lucky That's man. Amazing, isn't it? It is. Um, a man's wow. iPhone yeah. 11 See Pro the Max. State of it on the photo. Yeah. Um, if you read the story, apparently he um, was out on the lake in Taiwan, um, and after the biggest drought for 50 years, the lake was pretty much dried up, um, and the phone was recovered. Uh, by the way, the uh, he wore the iPhone 11 Pro Max around his neck after placing it in a waterproof pouch. He fell into the water multiple times, and eventually he lost his iPhone. Oh, it was a bit dim then, wasn't it, really? Um, <laughs> Once he fell in a couple of times, he might have thought perhaps I'd thought of secure my phone or more. But anyway, <laughs> you would have um, thought so, wouldn't you? Take note that the outcome might have been different if the iPhone was not in a plastic pouch. Anyway, uh, the phone yeah, went to the bottom of the so. lake. Uh, even so, um, in April of this year, Chen was informed his iPhone had been found. The Sun Moon Lake had dried up due to the biggest drought in 50 years, which allowed the iPhone and the plastic pouch to be visible on the bed of the lake. Um, it's impressive that that the, the battery lasted that long, <laughs> being dis, being discharged and all that. Yeah, yeah. When he took it into the Apple Genius, he was asked, "Was this was this phone the rainwater, sir?" <laughs> <laughs> yes. Is this this water damaged? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, there you go. Apparently, it was still working, and there's a picture of it here. Um, in, I have to say, plastic, in gunk. yeah, gunge. But I have to say, the plastic bag seems to have protected it pretty well. So maybe it's not quite as amazing. But there we are. Um, good for him. Lucky chap. Mm-hmm. Although after a year, he'd probably replaced the phone long ago. There we are. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he probably would have done. He'll be contacting the base insurance firm now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there we are. Um, 
So that was just a little story that I fell upon. Um, this one interested me. Nine to five Mac have a comment piece, you know, an opinion piece. Apple version of the Roku Stream Bar would make an ideal high-end Apple TV. And um, as Nick knows, when we were talking on uh, Bart's show, I I put forward this uh, theory, and it means I'm not the only person who thinks that that might be a good way for Apple to go. Um, this is a, a an opinion piece, and the, the guy's putting forward a, a suggestion that Apple should split the Apple TV uh, line into an Apple TV stick for about eighty dollars with you know basic functions. Um, $129 full-size Apple TV, much the same as it is now, and a $200 HomePod soundbar with TVOS built-in, uh, HomeKit integration, and, uh, you know, here we are. That's his suggestions. I'm not so struck on the, you know, the idea of a, a, a full-size Apple TV still at $129. Um, he's suggesting it could have... Yeah, that seems a bit overpriced, doesn't it? But he's suggesting this has optical out and wired Ethernet. Um and aimed towards Apple Arcade and a full uh, becoming a fully fledged gaming device, and would include a hardware controller. Um, okay, you know, possible. Yeah, I can see. I can see that being. Um, mm. I think. I think the co- properly connecting the TV output would be a, a benefit. I mean, that a lot of the problem with a lot of these smart think smart speaker devices is that they tend to stand on their own, don't they? And they haven't got any yeah. connection with anything else. So I think. I think that's. Yeah, I think I probably agreed with you on Bart's show. I don't really remember, <laughs> but uh, I probably did because yeah, it makes sense. I... They, they are they are overdue. They're long overdue. Actually, doing something with the Apple TV because it's been that top shape for quite some time now, and it's still quite an expensive device in comparison to it is. yeah the competition. It... Yeah, yeah, um... and two hundred pounds for a two hundred dollars for a home pod like soundbar actually isn't that unrealistic. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. And, and as I said on Bart's show, you know, I think people are quite prepared to pay reasonable money for a sound bar. And um, yeah. Apple's sound system seems to be very good. So they've got that. They've got the, the sound side of it down to a, a fine art now. Uh, a sound bar would be quite good. Yeah, I, I really think that that was my mm-hmm. thought. So anyway, I've got a link here to 9to5Mac. And um, yeah, I... I thought it was an interesting read. Obviously, it's an opinion piece, a bloke's suggestion. Um, home, you know, improved uh, HomeKit uh, just, integration. Just, just give me a second. I'm going to ring Tim and just let him know. Yes. Are you listening? Are you listening? Simon says. Simon says <laughs> we should. Well, there you go. I'm just interested to find that I'm not the only person who thinks that's a possibly a good, you know, yeah, a good strategy. No, I think I think that's quite a, a good idea. But whether Apple will go for it or not is another thing entirely. Yeah, indeed. Who can tell? Um. So that that's basically the end of the Apple news. Um, the BBC have a piece here called "The Iron Man Body Armor." Many of us may soon be wearing. That's a slightly stretching it if you read the article, but it's about um, it's about exoskeletons, basically. Um, uh, basically, what they're saying: this equipment is increasingly being worn in real life around the world, and one manufacturer, California's Suit X, expects it to go mainstream. Um, according to this guy, there is no doubt in my mind these devices will eventually be sold at hardware stores, says uh, the Suit, Suit X's founder, Homayun Kazaruni. I hope I've pronounced that correctly. As the prices come down, you would simply be able to go and buy one at Home Depot. Um, you could get one to go for your shopping and see if you're carrying the heavy, heavy messages. You, know, you yeah. could do some decorating in the house with the mine. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I can, I can hear me. It'll be voice activated. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be voice active, voice activated, and you'll say, "Go, go, gadget stilts." <laughs> <laughs> as long as it, as, as long as we don't get a Wallace and Gromit. Oh no, wrong trousers. <laughs> <laughs> As it marches you off down the road. You want to go the other direction? <laughs> yeah. Um, you can. You yeah. can hear. You see the news headlines, can't you? The uh, yeah. The gadget suit walked me into a Microsoft store. <laughs> oh, some somebody ends up in the river with one. Yeah. Yeah. Using the using the sat nav. Uh, suit X suits are being tested by car manufacturers, General Motors, and Fiat. Uh, They're Prof, a cool idea. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Prof Casaruni, who is the director of the University of California's Robotics and Human Engineering Laboratory, says the primary benefit of exoskeletons is to prevent muscle fatigue. Um, and, you yeah. know, they've got some things. I've, I've seen articles recently as well about people in, you know, car factories using um, lightweight exoskeletons to, you know, so that, for example, um, you know, like the guy who has to put the exhaust pipe on, you know, can have a, an upper body exoskeleton that helps take the weight of the, assists him in lifting up the, you know, lifting up yeah. the heavy exhaust pipe so that he can, doesn't, well, he's at less risk of getting back or shoulder injuries from repetitive lifting of heavy parts um that's right yep um also of course um robotics which protect your shoulders your back and head for example when you're picking or moving things is crucial this is one of the exciting benefits of robotics um and then they're also of course talking about the um potential for exoskeletons to help people who are you know paralyzed to walk or you know other such says the, assistive uh, the, devices. Yeah, it says that more uh, more widespread adoption of the technology is still held by a number of factors, including battery capacity, limited range of motion, and a co- and cost. Yes, but all but of those, a lot of those things would disappear. Okay, not the battery. Um, uh, we are we we are working. Everyone is working on better batteries, so we will get better battery capacity. Um, and the cost is just, you know, well, it's volume, of, isn't it? It's volume. I mean, the cost at the minute is the says, number they make. You know, if they're the making average... them so that everyone, everyone who worked in certain industries just got them as a matter of course, then uh, that would bring it, the cost down. So. It would, it, you know, it's like everything else. Economies of scale, you know, when 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 you're turning out a few thousand, then yeah, they're going to be fifty thousand dollars a piece. When you're turning out millions of them at a time, they're going to come down to bearable prices. There we are. Yeah, that's a. Uh, I found that an interesting piece. It's not very long. Um, there's also some notes in here about problems might arise if robotics double as workplace surveillance. You know, are these suits going to track your movements? How fast you move? How often you take a break? Oh dear. Etc. There's always a risk. So you have to consider those things, don't you? Yep. There we are. But um, it it but. As we were saying before the show, when we looked at the story, you know, exoskeletons are, are something that have been around for a long time. Um, I remember there being one when I was young in a book about you know, it was probably sometime in the 70s. But the, the problem there was the technology wasn't there. You know, the microprocessors and such that we have now that allow for accurate feedback. And um, yes, much... and, then, and they weren't practical if you had to plug them in or carry your power source with you. No, but um, they've you know they've been used for for many years in specific situations. 
Um, yeah, it's usually specialist though, isn't very it? Very specialist, specialist areas. Oh yeah, very yeah. specialist areas. What what you're seeing now is that you know the ubiquity of computing technology, meaning and the miniaturization thereof, meaning that you can yes. you can build an exoskeleton that is not you know it's it's not and like the, a, and the and I expect the development the development of AI in the last ten years as well as we'll have had some effect upon the whole thing as well. Oh, I'm sure. I'm you, sure. You can see the improvements in batteries. Uh, you look at the, the Dyson uh, Hoovers yeah. and Hill Hoovers. I mean, they're, they're now exceedingly powerful for their size. Yes. And quite a reasonable amount of time out the batteries. It's just, yes. I suppose, but what's the new chemicals, new, um, new um, what's the word, chemistry? Yeah. Yeah. Batteries, yeah. 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 Much, you know, if you think of the sort of the original Black and Decker dust buster, you know, it, mm-hmm. you'd leave it on charge all the time until you haven't, you get about five minutes of vacuuming out of it, you know. <laughs> just to just, uh, get your nuclear power. And if, uh, and if you, um, and if you ever have a chance of watching um, Tesla's Battery Day um, presentation, um, it's very, it's quite technical, but it's actually fascinating how mm. they plan to bring the cost down over time. And a lot of it is about how they manufacture it, not the actual tech, not the, um, not the battery chem- uh, chemistry necessarily. Right. Although chemistry is part of it, um, a lot of their bringing costs down is about making it more efficient to make them. Yes, yes. Which, are, which I found fascinating. It's um, these things are all so. There's so many interconnected things which go yes. together to make these things, and that's why you know people will tell you that you know there's all sorts of technological advances which people have been working on you know for decades or in some cases you look at things like 19th century inventors invented some incredibly modern type devices but the technology to make them work effectively didn't come along didn't until exist you know, at the time no yes it just it didn't exist you know certain th- you need it's like the development of a, of the gun you know you machine lathes made guns something that could be mass produced whereas before that they were handcrafted and so on yeah. it's all you know their technology has to reach a certain level all around before certain things can become a reality it's how it is i find it fascinating that people people are have enough foresight to be able to see the capacity of something in the future do you know what mm. I mean? And not just give up and say, oh, no, that's impossible. So I won't even think about that. That they actually have ideas. And then years, years and years later, they come to fruition because the technology is caught up with the idea. Yeah. Uh, I find that fascinating as well. And, and the way that, you know, some people seem to have a brain like that. Yep. It's, uh, you know, it is fascinating. And you can get really wrapped up, actually, in trying to look at old technology and see things that, you know, oh, that, you know, you could make that work now because we have this and this yeah. and this, which, you know, yeah. was a great idea, but there was no way it was going to be practical in, you know, 1939 or whatever. No. Oh, and hence some science fiction becoming yeah. reality. <laughs> because, yeah. yeah. I mean, look at this exoskeleton thing. Let's face it, you know, what's probably one of the most famous exoskeletons in, in pop culture is it's Ripley and her power loader. But that's exactly what you're talking about, in effect. Yes. Um, you know, you could make a, yeah, a robotic power lifter and because the, the technology to make it safe and usable is often about feedback. One of the things I remember reading about exoskeletons, like, you know, in my book as a child, 
was that you had to be a very skilled operator to use it because you didn't have a huge amount of feedback. And if you overreached, yeah. you could get yourself in a lot of trouble because the machine did not have the capacity to self-correct. Um, well, let, let's face it. I mean, there have been quite a lot of sci-fi films that have had um, men that sit in metal suits that are much bigger than they are. Yes. And uh, uh, up until fairly recently, seeing them walking would have been impossible. Mm. But now we have robots that can walk and run and climb over, you know, uh, and rubble. Do, and... Yeah, and do backflips and, <laughs> and walk, walk and do, That's snow. right, and do all sorts of things that they couldn't do, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Years ago. Yeah. So, amazing. There we are. Um, so, uh, Apple M1 hardware support to be merged into Linux 5.13, according to Ars Technica. Um, this is coming um, from the um, Azahai linux um who we mentioned before which apparently interesting tidbit i found in this article as a high as a japanese name for what we know as the macintosh apple the cultivar which gave the mac its name um as a high uh, linux is a fledgling distribution founded with the goal of creating a workable daily driver linux experience that will work on apple m1 silicon cool and that, that's the, the people we spoke about before who were basically having to reverse engineer how the m1 yes works in order to figure out how to write their own drivers and so on um and as it says this is a daunting task as apple does not offer any community documentation for apple silicon martin and his cohorts must reverse engineer the hardware as well as write the drivers um there we are but their work on that is going to be merged into the uh linux 513 stream allowing for no doubt you know like all such things they might not get there instantly but they will get there sooner or later no doubt so does that mean we might get a linux virtual machine for uh for the m1 at some point well i mean i've i've already got a linux virtual machine uh, if you download uh but is, Dougie, it, is it running on the m1 chip natively or is that being it's it's running converted from it it's running via the parallels public beta right so oh, okay. yes it is is it is um a, and you have to download um you have to download the ubuntu server for arm 64 right it, it, so i took the uh, ubuntu server image and then you know then installed a normal um desktop environment on top of it because right, they do okay. not currently have um i mean i have no doubt that they soon will have an ubuntu yeah. um for arm 64 so i can i can run cool. ubuntu on my on my m1 um but this obviously is yeah what they're working towards is a a, a linux distro which could be installed clean onto a m1 macintosh yes. and run as its yeah. main os not in a virtual machine yeah when the m when we think the m1's really slow why did we why did any of us ever buy an m1 yeah, yeah. Why not? <laughs> In well, a few I, years' time. A, you know, <laughs> clunky old machine. Uh, there yes. We go. <laughs> um, Intel have managed to uh, shoot themselves in the foot yet again. Um, oh, dear. Intel's... They're not having a good time. No. Latest anti-Apple ad has an embarrassing mistake, and that is basically that... Um, they have used a stock image of uh, a man using um, a laptop. Um, the laptop is clearly um, a MacBook Pro, um, but uh, not only do the latest, you know, MacBook, or not all of them, obviously, but the um, there are M1 machines, and um, they have uh, 
used a MacBook Pro uh, and said the world's best processor on a thin and light laptop, but the uh, the Intel chip they are specifically talking about has never appeared in any Intel Macintosh. So there you go. Basically, it's a stock image, and uh, somebody didn't check really. <laughs> I think they're. Uh, I think Intel's ad agency might be finding themselves uh, not getting their contract renewed. <laughs> um, oh dear. BGR. Uh, I've got a link to BGR. Um, in all, if, in all honesty, though, most people aren't going to know that, are they? So. No, but you know, if you're doing an ad like that, um, you should know that the sort of people who are likely to be viewing it carefully are also likely to be the sort of people who are going to go. That's who will not, know those sort of things? They <laughs> will know true. that is yeah. not. You know, that machine does not use. You know, that is a MacBook Pro, and that you know that does not and never has used such and such thing. It's a it's a set of pictures, um, and it's a stock photo called millennial man playing with laptop or something <laughs> i've got a link to the rest of the set so that you can um see the machine very clearly there we are so that's you know intel's advertising people shooting themselves in the foot yet again um it's becoming like rather funny now um uh what else have we got uh oh this is a this is an interesting one um these trees bleed metal and could help power the future i think you you found this one didn't you jim yeah Mm -hmm. yeah agro mining farming plants which contain metal could help power the future um uh scientists as long as we're not knocking down rainforests to actually plant them no exactly yeah um alan baker made a cut in the side of an exotic plant in the philippines jungle and the sap that bled out had a jade green glow the shrub was a newly discovered species soon to be known as philanthus Balgui, by the look of it. <laughs> and, uh, Balgui, uh, yeah. Uh, right, Balgui. one of a rare variety of plants that naturally suck high amounts of metallic elements from the soil. Um, the fluorescent sap turned out to be 9% nickel. Um, hmm. It was a welcome finding, but not a surprise. Professor Baker's research into so-called hyperaccumulators had uncovered species which seem to thrive on everything from cobalt, zinc and gold. Um, I mean, it's, you get plants who do filtration. Uh, I mean, yeah, natural way of clearing up soil, uh, sewage, you know, it, mm. uh, can be done by plants. They filter out all the, the, the nasty stuff. Uh, so it's, yeah. it's not a new idea. Uh, no, like, really. Uh, that, but it's certainly yeah. very interesting. Yeah. Sewage, some small sewage treatment plants still use reed beds mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, to clean out all the bits. So I suppose you could use this to you could use this to filtrate out uh, nickel uh, and contaminated land. Well, that is uh, what they'd say down here. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah, right. Okay. Scientists are on a quest to discover whether farming of these plants could provide an alternative to environmentally destructive mining, while also mm-hmm. helping to rehabilitate former mining sites. Because obviously, there's no point planting a load of plants that that bring up nickel, and if there's no nickel in the soil, you're not going to get mm. anything. <laughs> <laughs> But nine percent, nine percent is a lot. I mean, yeah, it is actually. Yeah, that's that's pretty. I think um, if I if I recall correctly from my school geography, a good quality bauxite um, for aluminium is about three percent aluminium. Um, commercially, uh, tin tin miners um, considered one percent tin 
in an ore to be a good quality ore. Right. Okay. Um, a lot of things, the, the percentage, in, you know, for some of these rare metals, the percentage that you get by from mining is poultry, you know, single-digit percentages. So, I mean, you know, 9% nickel in sap, if, as long as that can be easily, you know, relatively easily extracted, that's, a, that's fabulous. Um, well, the, the other one here they're talking about is a plant that uh, seems to uh, do the same thing but with manganese, uh, mm-hmm. the leaves and sap, but not the nuts, are rich in manganese. Yeah. Yep. So it's not, the only, it's not the only metal that they yeah. Yeah, we've got Which another one. Amazing. The yeah. blue latex of a rare Picandra acuminata in New Caledonia contains 25% nickel. Mm-hmm. Goodness gracious. That is, there you go. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Exactly why these plants have developed the ability to absorb large amounts of metal is a case of speculation. All plants need some trace elements to grow, but the levels in hyperaccumulators would normally be toxic to plant life. Um, Professor Baker says it may be an evolutionary defence mechanism. Um, yeah, another bit here is about um, Central Australia uh, is rich in selenium, mm. and plants that grow there have shown themselves to be extremely efficient hyperaccumulators. So, yep. Uh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Sounds very promising. Mm, certainly. Uh, anything like that is always fascinating and also, of course, a, a fabulous way forward. Mm-hmm. Um, because we are dealing with poisonous materials. Yeah, you know, because places yeah. where they do strip light mining and whatnot are often, you know, toxic as all hell. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could grow something on there that actually recovered, you know, some useful element, as well as effectively cleaning the soil, that would be a fabulous thing. Mm-hmm. That's good science as well. Yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently uh, iPhone users can now try out Android on a Galaxy device via uh, Samsung's iTest app, should you wish to. Uh, that's an interesting idea. Yep. Uh, the South Korean phone maker has launched an interactive website called iTest, which is designed to offer iPhone users a way to try out Android on a Galaxy device. Um, users are prompted to install a web app on their home screen. Um, then tapping an app icon on your phone's home screen launches into a simulated Galaxy Android smartphone home screen. Okay. Marketing thing, but uh, quite interesting. There we go. I'm just trying it there. Intriguing. Huh. At the bottom of my page, it says, there is a critical error on this website. Learn about debugging in WordPress. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's go. I've just clicked on let's go. Oh, yeah, yeah. It looks like an Android. Oh, yeah. That's quite clever. Mm-hmm. I quite like that. I like... Oh, I've had Sam. Welcome to the... I've just had an email, a, a pseudo email mm. within the Samsung app. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have a play with that. I like playing with uh, yeah. other stuff. Other stuff. Um, when Android tablets first, you know, started to appear, the, the sort of small, cheap ones, I had, um, I, I got one in, in my um, virtual box at the time. Oh, yeah. You yeah. could install an Android, a sort of an Android device um, as a virtual machine. I used it, it was about, I don't know, it was probably Android 4 or 5 or something at that time, but... Um, there we are. Yeah, I mean, I've got nothing against Android. I mean, I really haven't. I, no. I, I mean, I love my iPhone, but I owned two Android devices for a while, while Apple were deciding whether they were going to build a bigger iPhone at some point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I had Androids at that time, and I quite liked them. I mean, okay, they were a bit of a fiddle 
you, you had to mess with them, but but I like I like them, and uh, I was very pleased to get back to an iPhone eventually again. But uh, yeah, I I ventured into a Galaxy phone many years ago, and I think I lasted about three months. Went back to iPhone. Oh really? Uh, oh no, I gave it a bit longer than yeah. that. I had I, I had an Android for a couple of years, but, uh, but there the you only, go. The only Android device I've got is the Kindle Fire eight-inch tablet. Mm. Yeah. Um, and you find yourself stabbing at the screen, thinking it'll waking it up. And, you know, <laughs> you, you, it's a wee bit different compared, you know. Yeah, but it's in um, you know uh, it's in a different class though, isn't it? Really? Yeah, it's it's not as good. But, but it, it know. depends. It depends the device as well. I mean, the Fire's not the greatest of tablets. So it really depends the device you're using. No, but the Fire is. You know, yeah. the Fire is what you know. I mean, you can buy cheerful. You can buy yeah. a Fire for well. At various times, they promote them for as little as about 35 quid, I think. Yeah, yes. well, I think I got mine for about 55 quid. Yeah, well, yours is the eight, though, isn't it? Yeah. That, I mean, the seven is yeah. the one they usually discount to yeah. bugger all. Uh, okay, so we'll move on. Uh, I'm going to skim over a lot of these security and privacy uh, comments, but we mentioned the Facebook breach uh, last time. The BBC, a link here, a tool checks phone numbers from the Facebook data breach to tell you if you're part of that. Um, and as I suspected, have I been pwned.com and now has information from that breach as well. So there are two ways if you are a Facebook user and you're worried that you've been um, exposed by Facebook's leaking of 553 million account details, uh, you can find out if you're affected by that. Um, um, Cult of Mac, the average smartphone app harbors six different trackers, apparently. Um, uh-huh. Ahead of the launch of a new <coughs> app tracking transparency, Apple published a report titled A Day in the Life of Your Data. So this is another uh, piece back oh, to... Oh, the same thing again, yeah. Basically, um, but it's another, they've picked out another piece. Um, and, uh, yeah, basically they're suggesting that the average uh, smartphone app, so this is pure, not purely Apple, um, contains... Um, up to, you know, around six trackers. Um, trackers are often embedded in third-party code which help developers to build their apps. By including trackers, developers allow third parties to collect and link the data you have shared with them. Um, trackers are in most apps. There we go. And um, I don't think that's probably really a surprise. Um, no, no, no. We've come to expect that everyone is after our data, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you, know, what you know, what they're saying is, it, a lot of kits that people use to build stuff, you know, people don't write everything from scratch by hand. Nobody does that. Do you, do you buy modules? You know, there are commonly used modules so that, you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time you want to put something in an app. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. You know, and it's these, these, is this is where often these trackers Yes, why, why write it yourself if you can, if Just someone's already piece, written it for buy you? Buy a piece off the yeah. shelf, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, a, secu- a security researcher earned a hundred thousand dollars prize for a Safari exploit at a Pwn to Own. Um, Very good on Apple Insider. Good for him. Um, I believe he used. Um, what did he say? He used. Um, 
Jack Dates found vulnerability in Apple's browser according to the Zero Day initiative which hosted the contest. Uh, Dates used an integer overflow and an out-of-bound write to achieve a kernel-level code execution and has won $100,000 and 10 points in the competition. There we are. That's nice. Yeah. Rim. <laughs> um, and, of yeah. course, the point of this is, yes, yes, it, they do it in a, in a you know, a fun way, don't they? That, you know, you, you breach something, you win it. Um, you know, you win the, they tend to run it on a top of the line Mac or, yes, you know, whatever. And then if you, if you, if you can pwn it, you can win it. Um, plus, you know, prize money. So, but of course, its actual point is to help um, find vulnerabilities and then report them and have them packed. Um, I will say in here, they say, uh, you know, they make it a, a, appear like he's turned up on the first day and found a vulnerability, uh, which he then exploited. No, they spend months working on these things. <laughs> they, they they spend months working on these things before these competitions, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, right. DuckDuckGo has promised to block Google's latest ad tracking tech, um, which is um, this thing called Flock, which is a probabilistic type of fingerprinting. Um, at the moment, DuckDuckGo was suggesting that uh, the best defense was to not use Google's Chrome. Um, and they have now issued a Chrome browser extension, which can block the group tra uh, based tracking technology. So if you do use Google Chrome and you don't want fingerprinting, you should go and get the DuckDuckGo browser extension or Google Chrome. Um, that story's been kind of running all week, but uh, as they've now released a browser extension, some of the earlier parts of it are kind of moot. There we are. Time is ticking on, chaps. So uh, we've got two worth of chirps. Uh, one we mentioned earlier, which is the mail tracker blocker for mail on Mac OS. Link to that. Um, the other one is um, Jeff Gamut, friend of a show, uh, who will be coming on in a, you know within the next few weeks to talk to us again. Um, ah, jolly good. Is doing a uh, started doing a sort of sub uh, sub series on Mac Voices with Chuck Joyner called Up to Speed. So uh, Chuck Joyner and Jeff Gamut basically talking about uh, the very basics of uh, the Mac OS for people who are switchers or new. Oh, that's probably going to be quite good. Yes, it is. I'll have a watch of that. I listened to yeah. the first one um, where they talk very much about, you know, very simple, uh, or no, not simple, basics. Some of the basics of the Finder, like the sidebar and um yes the dot and uh, that sort of thing so it is going to be as he said at first they thought they were going to do maybe one or two shows and then he's realized that actually it's probably a gargantuan they could do hundreds yes as i said <laughs> yeah. as i said to jeff i think you've you know you've un unleashed pandora's box there that's a sort of herculean task but uh, i've listened to the first one it was very good um it you know and there's always something that somebody says that you think oh yes i forgot that or yeah oh, I, that's right because there's so so much to our computers and the way they work but, yeah uh, you know it's a little bit like it's a little bit like watching someone when you're a bit of a, a whiz on any particular piece of software let's say excel i was i was quite an excel whiz when i was at work um and watching someone else use it who isn't, it's it's painful. 
Because <laughs> you keep thinking, oh, you could have done that so much quicker if you'd done this and that. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's that's uh, something I shall be, um, you know, following Jeff and yeah, Chuck. Yeah, I, um, I think I might watch that. That looks good. It's called Up. They're going to call it Up to Speed and they're going to just, you know, run over the very uh, basics of using the Mac OS. But, um, I mean, it's already prompted me to send him a tip, which is one of my personal things, is I put the applications folder in my dock and then have have that yeah, set so to do list I. view yeah. and uh if you're old enough that will kind of remind you of a reverse of the apple menu of days of old there we are and is that um, just a, a youtube or is it a podcast it's a podcast it's in it's, it's, it, if you go to the mac go to mac voices find mac voices mm. um it's just mixed in amongst all the other mac voices things um yeah, i've got no, a link no, in it's I've not got, separate yeah no it's not done it as a separate podcast or anything i said you right. could do but um, just, and yeah. for the minute it's just mixed in they're called up to speed with jeff gamut mm. um and the first one is at mac voices uh there you go um and just to wrap it up with a snippet uh we found video calls get even worse with this realistic robot eye webcam uh, on gizmodo uh it's pretty creepy just go be yeah, creeped go bizarre. be creeped bizarre <laughs> go be creeped Those out the weak stomach yeah yeah it's um mm. yes apparently it's a it's a research thing and its point is to try and consider if there's a way to get more uh, emotional uh, involvement with over you know over webcam uh, links but to be honest it's just <laughs> Cause of course you're going to be more emotionally involved when you're creeped out by it. So. By a, yeah, by a weird robot eye lurking on your... Yeah, it, it would be better if it looked like a bloody Terminator eye, to be honest. That would be less creepy than <laughs> what it is. Yes, yeah. It is yeah, really... if, it got like, if it got like scaffolding behind it or something, or, it, that wouldn't be so bad. But... It's really... a line. <laughs> yeah, it is really, really bizarre. Mm. So there you go. Um, and I think that will do. That will do. We've been yattering on for quite long enough. Mm. So did I uh, say to you I was getting uh, some new wheels tomorrow? No, you did not. I was looking at uh, travel uh, options for uh, after the pandemic's finished and uh, decided to order a new set of wheels. Okay. What did you buy then, or are you going to buy? Uh, well, I got I got it today and I had to send it back, but I'm getting getting it tomorrow. Uh, when I was away at my holidays, uh, uh, previous when you could travel, um, my 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 luggage uh, trolley, which I have four wheels on, um, I thought you could just put them on two wheels and throw it behind you. The result was that the wheels and the the actual casters it run, you know, scrubbed down to the the, the bear. Um, so I bought a set of wheels for that. <laughs> <laughs> Not a car, as no. you may have thought. A real well, like, set of wheels. A real well, set I of wheels. I was, I was thinking that maybe you bought, bought um, uh, you know, an electric bicycle. No, I thought you no. might have been buying an electric bicycle or a, you know, yeah. scooter. I just, just thought I'd put that that hook out with a worm on it and see me. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, there you go. So new casters for your luggage trolley. New well, casters. Why not? Why not? Why not? Yeah. Indeed, definitely. Oh dear! Right, okay. Uh, Jim, do you want to tell people where they can find you? Uh, in the Slack group, on Flickr as the SRPS Paint Shop, um, on Vimeo. But you'll find the link to that in the show notes. And if anyone's interested, we have a, a Flickr group, uh, the Essential Apple Flickr group. If you wish to join, just go to the site and uh, you'll find a way of getting contact with me. Jolly good. Uh, Nick, tell all the people where you are not. 
Uh, I'm not very often on Twitter, but uh, when I am, it's uh, Spligosh, S-P-L-I-G-O-S-H. Um, I also chat in the Slack room occasionally, and uh, you can also hear me over on Bart's show from time to time over on Let's Talk Apple. And I'm hoping that uh, next week I'm going to be on the on the MyMac show. Excellent. Um, they did a very good. Uh, they did a ver- well. They did a very good um, question and answer thing. If you listen to the last one, yes. where, uh, where where Gaz asked Guy uh, lots of questions, and I said I wrote to him and said. Um, I really enjoyed it, especially because I disagreed with Guy about almost everything. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, uh, so I said, if you want me to come on and, you know, ask me the same questions, I'll quite happily give you my opinion. And he said, oh, OK. Uh, it just so happens that um, uh, Guy's away this week. Yeah, this Guy's, week, so. Guy's going away, isn't he? Because that's, that's right. Yeah. Excellent. So, uh, so yes, uh, I've been invited on to uh, to give my t- two penneth. Excellent. That will be. I will look forward to that. Then I will indeed. You, you can safely talk about microphones then. <laughs> <laughs> yes, without going on for half an hour about it. Absolutely. <laughs> oh dear. yeah. Well, I mean, they were talking about microphones because they've got the guys doing this thing at the moment. Isn't he? What microphone is guy using this week? Which is yes, and uh, you know, talking about. Oh yeah, and well, I've got this. You know, we go that audio interface and a compressor and a mixer and it's blah de blah de blah de blah and he goes like whereas you know gaz just has a microphone yep. that plugs straight into his computer by usb so yeah that's right yeah. one of us is doing something wrong there we are oh dear uh right okay well um as you probably know you can find me on the twitter as at serenak and that's s-e-r-e-n-a-k i am of course in the slack room along with uh Nick and Jim and Dougie and uh, Rob and a whole load of others. And uh, I think I will say until next week, goodbye. Au revoir. Touchy bye. I'm William Musk. You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar, where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show. Uh, Or even if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club Podcast, the Geekiest Show Ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh, Bart Shots and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I've forgotten. So why not go over to MyMac.com Take a look at the available podcast and take a listen. Some people like their live casts to be informative, to the point, provocative and timely. The Mac to the Future live cast is some of those things, but we won't say which ones. Join Dave Ginsberg, Guy Searle and Warren Sklar for a weekly dose of Apple Fun every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time over on Facebook or in the Mac to the Future Facebook group. 
have been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. Thank you for listening and we hope to see you next time.